you're interested in a property and then you see a sale agreed sign go up. Oh, hmm. Then you're driving by a few months later and you notice a for sale sign back on it again. The sale must have fallen through. Why do so many sales fall through? Join me in this week's episode as we talk to Brian Dempsey, a partner with DNG and manager of their Stilorgan branch. So it's a Friday morning. I'm in a busy estate agent's office. I can hear the hum of phone ringings and agents whizzing in and out with folders. And I have to say, I miss the buzz of working in an estate agent's office. Um, But one thing I don't miss is the sinking feeling when a buyer phones you to tell you that they are pulling out of a sale and you have to go ahead and phone your vendor. That is a horrible feeling and a feeling that used to leave me sick in my stomach. And I'm here today to discuss this ghastly business with Brian Dempsey, who is the manager of DNG in Stillorgan, a partner in DNG, and the immediate past president of the Institute of Professional Auctioneers and Valuers. So Brian, I'm thrilled that you're going to talk to me today. And it's great to see you again too, because you used to, it used to be a bit like uh, living alongside a comedian, working mm. with Brian. He was hilarious and great fun, and I learned an awful lot from him. So thanks for talking to us today, Brian. You're very welcome, Brian, and it's uh, great to have you back in your old office. And not a million miles away from your old seat, which is still sitting there free and ready to take you back at any stage. Thank you. Um, it's important to have fun when you work as well, though, Brefney. Oh, and, it is. And um, that's a really good life balance we have here. We, 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 we have to work hard, and there's a huge amount of dedication to the job. But I think when you can have a little bit of fun in the, uh, in the downtimes, it's, it's great, too. And, of course, you're talking about... Um, the very difficult side of the business, and it is very difficult, and it is that pit in your stomach time when you have to make the call. When a uh, sale falls through. Mm. And mm. Brian, you had a statistic earlier of how many sales fall through, would you say, as a percentage? At one stage, it was approximately 25%. So one in four sales um, wouldn't go ahead. Um, a barometer of the market sometimes is uh, who's who's controlling it. Yeah. So if, if buyers are pulling out of the market, it's often when the market is... Um, retracting and starting to fall and when sellers are pulling out it's often the time when they see something on the horizon that would make them think it's worth their while to walk away and try back at it again of course there's lots of other reasons people pull out of sales too Mm -hmm. but when we go back to we'll say the a couple of years ago when when you were steering the ship here for us um we look at the change that was happening in the market and we'd come from particularly tough times times where um, banks w- weren't lending. There was maybe a half a bank lending, and only lending really when it suited them. And they were they were turning down people who were very very eligible to pay mm-hmm. it back, but f- for whatever reasons they had, uh, mm-hmm. they weren't doing it. Um, so cash it was a brutal ca- market, yeah. and very few buyers around. It was very very tough then, yeah. Um, and then I suppose things began to change. Mm-hmm. So uh, interest rates for savings started coming down. Confidence in the market started going up. And people were thinking, why do we have all this money sitting in the bank when we could go out and, and perhaps get a yield back on it again? Mm-hmm. And today I'd love to talk about why things fall through. That, mm. that's, that would be, because a lot of people out there might be wondering, I saw that house sale agreed, I was bidding yeah. on it, and now it's back on the market. What's yeah. happened? So why do things fall through? Some yeah. examples in your experience. And it's interesting because, of course, people 
people often think that there's something wrong with the house as to why it falls through. And you know what? That's probably one of the last reasons why people don't go ahead with Mm -hmm. it. When you deal with people, you deal with humans, there's Mm. obviously so many other factors, so many other emotions that come into it Mm. as to why sales don't go ahead. Mm. Um, I I, I suppose we'd like to think we're perfect in the way we do it and our competitors mightn't be so perfect. But the reality of it is we all have our own ways to, Mm -hmm. to... to, to do the business and mm-hmm. and some of us like to do it um, in, in a more restricted way than others and some like to dot our I's and cross our T's differently than others but I suppose in the first instance if you look at, at why sales fall through we, we might we might talk about finance mm-hmm. so you could arrive at a situation whereby you have spoken to the bank and you can go to one of the banks that's on on, on, on the street here for instance you could walk into them and in 15 minutes' time, you could come out with a letter from them to say that you have, based on the conversation you've just had, you have approval in principle. Mm-hmm. And you arrive down to Joe Bloggs Auctioneer to bid and buy on a particular house, mm-hmm. uh, and your bid is accepted. Um, perhaps Joe Bloggs didn't check your finance, or perhaps Joe Bloggs was happy enough to accept the letter you had. So you go ahead and you purchase the house, and or you go ahead and agree to purchase mm-hmm. the house, so that's the sale agreed. Um, and then you go back to the bank you've just been with and you say, we've now found a property. Mm-hmm. Um, we've bid within what we spoke about. Uh, what do we need to do next? Mm-hmm. And, of course, the bank then would say to you, well, we need to run a full application for you because, really, we only base that on a conversation. Okay, so your point is that people are going out bidding on properties with with a letter of loan approval that isn't actually a proper letter That's of loan it. approval. The bank mm. hasn't done its due diligence. Mm. It's just a, what you used to call it, a cup of coffee loan approval. Right? It, the 15-minute approval, yeah. I think, is what we yeah. refer to it now. Yeah. Um, and yes, that's it. And that's been around for many years. Right. And it probably came about where banks were saying, well, look, we're not going to put all our staff uh, on to getting these people solid loan approval when they're not buying within the six-month period and we're having to go and do it again. Okay. So they came up with a shortcut around that that would say, well, look, provisionally, based on yeah. what we spoke about, yeah, you should be able to get X amount, say 500000 mm-hmm. so go off and buy. And when you do that, come back to us. So they might have conditions in that loan approval that the the, um, the diligent auctioneer should be able to weed out. That's the point there, that the mm. diligent auctioneer, if, if you really know your stuff as an estate agent, you won't accept that preliminary loan yeah. approval. Yeah. You need a more fleshed-out loan approval, which should have your own address on it and an account reference number, like a mortgage that's a very no. good point, Brefney. It's that mortgage reference number um, that really is the starting point. Now, it's not long. It, it, it hasn't been long that some of the banks have started putting a reference number on it because they knew that that was an identifying signal mm-hmm. for some of the auctioneers. Okay. And, and, of course, the banks look at it. Well, then, we have the person semi on the hook. Yeah. We haven't had to put the staff and resources into it. Yeah. Um, and we can do it all. And, and worst case scenario, we're probably better off 9 out of 10 getting there and one falling out than running 100 applications yeah. and, and 90 of them not purchasing. Yeah. So from a business point of view, I can see to a certain extent, even though it, it makes my job more difficult. Mm-hmm. Okay, the, so that's one example. Mm. That's when the person goes to buy who thinks they've owned approval, but they don't actually. That's just basically miscommunication yeah. and, and misunderstanding. And that's a very good point or a good word you've used there, thinks. And, yeah. and the difficulty we have is the purchaser genuinely arrives to our yeah. door believing they have an ability to buy it. Yeah. And they don't. Yeah. And, and and the problem is they go back to that bank and the bank might say, well, hold on, you never told us um, you didn't pay a car loan two years ago on yeah. the date. 
You have an online gambling account, which was another thing. You have a yeah, you have a, 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 an account to one of the the, the bookies. Yeah, yeah, that's that's. You, you, we see a scan here from uh, the National Maternity Hospital. Um, uh, is there another baby on the way? Yeah. Now you'll have two dependents by the time your your loan mm. application goes yeah. through, and that's something we need to factor in that we haven't factored in previously. Okay, so that's say one reason. Mm. Uh, that, they and that's that's. Probably the big, 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 big one. Reason. Okay, well, that to me mm. seems like you'd be saying that really is estate agent negligence because really estate agents need to check out loan yeah. proof of funds. Yes. Can I share with you one that I had? Yeah. Um, that was where uh, I was selling a property and the vendor had done some work to the house and they didn't have proper planning permission for the thing mm. that they had done. And the thing that they had done had been done for over seven years. Mm. And they couldn't be forced to take it down. But mm. it, it still meant that this thing was in limbo. Mm. It, it didn't n- not have planning, but it didn't have planning permission. It couldn't be forced. You couldn't be forced to take it down, but it was in limbo. Yeah. And a bank wasn't happy to lend on it. That yeah. was one I came yeah. across. Um, and I suppose while we're on that subject, we might as well talk about all the other subjects yes. that come up from a structured point of view. Yeah. If it's not too early to look at that. But I suppose we look at what I would call your scenario there, the seven-year rule. Yeah. Okay, so for argument's sake, you have somebody who's built um, a flat-roof dormer window on the rear of their property. Yeah. Nobody had any difficulty with it. Yeah. It would have required planning permission when they put it in, and even now, but they didn't. Yeah. It's there seven years now or more. Yeah. And we have a situation where the people want to sell, and there was a great article in the Irish Times yesterday on something similar to this. Uh, for those that might have picked it up yeah, or, or, the, the or would like to pick it up. Garden, yes. it? Yeah, yeah. The glass. Um, so the seven-year rule is there in that if the council, if, if nobody has taken any action, so if your neighbours haven't complained you to the council or the council haven't appeared on the scene to say, what's this doing here within the seven years, the mm-hmm. council will effectively turn a blind eye mm-hmm. to what, it, what your development is. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily exempt, but it's just... I suppose brushed over. Yeah. Now it might be a case that you go for planning for something else further down the line and the council might say to you, well, that dormer window that's there seven years or more, we'd like you to include that into your planning application yeah. and just clean it up. And it yeah. would make good sense yeah. to do that and, and it would be good business while you're doing anything yeah. else. Of course, we all know that when when a person buys a property or a person sells a property, they have a legal representative on their side. Um, and 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 uh, doctors differ, patients die. Yeah. Um, one solicitor who has to warrant it to the bank. purchasing bank mm. might not be comfortable with what's there. So one reason why they might fall through is that they don't have planning permission for the thing they've done. Yeah. And your bank, that you're the buyer, your bank doesn't fancy that. Yeah. It might fall through on that basis. Yeah. Any other reason, Brian, that comes to um, mind? Yes. Um, I, uh, preparation. Mm-hmm. Uh, fail to prepare, prepare to fail mm-hmm. uh, uh, and um, that's a saying I remember Paul Newman saying to me many years ago and it's something that stuck with me since um, if you if you line your ducks up prior to there being difficulties maybe you won't have any difficulties mm-hmm. so we have an awful lot of time on our side sometimes yeah. prior to finding a buyer Yes. sometimes we have that time even prior to putting it for sale yeah. so you could perhaps in the lead up to getting it ready for sale, along with getting your photos and getting your brochure details and everything yeah. like that, you could ask your clients to get the deeds up from wherever the deeds are being held. Yes. Sometimes the deeds are being held in the attic. Yeah. Sometimes the deeds are with their solicitor. Yes. Sometimes they think the deeds are in the attic. Yeah. And sometimes the deeds aren't in the attic or the yeah. mice have eaten them. And, right. and I've come across <laughs> that too. Right. Um, <clears throat> so I suppose 
you can get those documents across to your solicitor and get your solicitor or ask your solicitor to do a quick check of them to make sure everything's okay. Okay. In so the event those documents are with your bank, it might take two, three, four weeks to get them from the lending institution. Yes. So you check that from a legal point of view that everything is prepared and similar to going and if to you auction. don't, yeah. your point might be that you, the vendor is taking so long to get this stuff together that the buyer loses time, patience, loses time. Kills time. Deals. Their loan approval mm. runs out and I completely agree with you. Time mm. gets into the deal like water yeah. and just cracks it. Yeah. I agree. If you give anybody long yeah. enough to think about something, maybe they'll have a regret. Okay. Uh, whether that's going to buy a blue car and to come home with a red car or anything like it. Yeah. So, yes. Okay, so your vendor just hasn't got their paperwork in order and the buyer runs out of time, patience or boats. Mm-hmm. Yep. Another one, can I share this one yep. with you? Um, which was that a bidder who was bidding mm. on a house with me and we went sale agreed turns out to have been bidding on another house mm. with another agent mm. and hasn't told me. Mm. And now, honestly, I'm not sure that I ever asked them where they're bidding on mm. another house, but it, it didn't occur to me at the time to yep. ask them. But I should have, in retrospect, mm. that was a mistake I made, I mm. should have asked them where they're bidding on another mm. house. They were bidding right up to the limit on two houses, mm. this bidder, and they so they had all the cards and then they pulled out of one at the last yep. minute, which is so frustrating mm. and mm. really quite dishonest. Well, you see... what yet I, it's not. You no, know, it's not. Yeah. What a lot of people um, think is it's always on the seller's side that the um, the manipulation comes yes. from. And it's not. It's a very, very balanced scenario. Good point. The buyer has as many cards in the deck as the seller. Exactly. Um, the only difficulty, I suppose, or the only difference, should I say, with the seller is us as agents have to declare if there's somebody else with an interest in the property. So if somebody else is bidding on the property, yes. we declare it. Yes. Whereas if a buyer, they don't have to declare what they're doing on their side. Very good. So right. again, there is a bit of unbalance That's in true. weight of the purchaser, in the yes. purchaser's favour. That's a very good yeah. point. And just that point there where mm. you're saying, um, you're saying you, if someone else, let's say your sale agreed on a property for 500000 and you're the agent selling the property, and another buyer comes along to you, and although your sale agreed and says, "Look, at we love the property. My mum lives next door. I'm home mm. from Australia. I'll give you five fifty. Yeah. As you said there, you have to give that bit mm. of information to the agent, which is such yeah. a pain in the neck, but you do yeah. have to do it. Mm. Um, and that then might cause a bit of gazumping to mm. happen, which might be mm. another reason why a sale might yeah. fall through. Yeah, but of course there is that. And, 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 and you do see that particularly in a rising market. So that rising yeah. market we spoke about earlier, um, where somebody comes in and they makes an offer after a sale agreed process, which mm-hmm. is very, it, it, it's, it's probably, I, that, that sickens like me that. more yeah. than having to make that call to, with yeah. the bad news, because that's even worse news. Yeah. But of course, experience would show show us that when it happens sometimes when you go and you do your due diligence with these people remember the other people may have spent six or eight weeks going through an emotional warfare mm-hmm. trying to get to the sale agreed process mm-hmm. and these other people arrive mm-hmm. on the scene without mm-hmm. having to go through that mm-hmm. and sometimes if they had to go through the six or eight weeks they wouldn't have made it out the other end mm-hmm. because they'd have said you know what we're not really that committed in their mind mm-hmm. and sometimes that's for a good agent to try and decipher who's going to stay in bed when this deal gets made rather than mm. jump out the other side. Mm. And that's very, very um, important to look at. And mm. and yes, you can bring somebody into a house and you can show them the kitchen, you can mm. show them the living room. And while that's an important part of the process, I think a far more important part is profiling the buyer. Mm. And that's mm. of benefit to everybody. Mm-hmm. If I corner a buyer in a living room and say, I want to know A, B and C, they'll have very difficult they'll have great difficulty in telling me it because they'll feel that it's going to be used against them. Whereas in actual fact, 
we're trying to help that buyer and all the other buyers arrive to whoever is the best buyer. Okay, so when you say you're cornering them and asking them A, B, and C, as in like how strong. Well, are you your can imagine if you or, arrived yeah. into the room, where are you getting your phones? What are you doing here? You'd probably Run stand back in. and say, "Yeah, I'm not going in there again." Yeah. But to approach it in a more diplomatic way, uh, a more sizable way, and perhaps over a period of time to to take little questions, little steps. Mm. Um, to gain trust, the buyer has to trust us and the mm. buyer has to know that we're not there to shaft them. We're there to get a deal done. We're there to progress a deal. They want to buy it. We want to sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're thinking, well, if we give you our cards, are you going to use them against us? And mm-hmm. most auctioneers won't you. A good auctioneer won't use them against us. A good auctioneer is just, again, trying to profile it and trying to sell it to the vendor. Okay, so when you say, if we give you our cards, are you saying that, let's say I'm approved for a maximum of 380 um, if I tell you that, are you going to use it against me and bid me up to 380? Is that what you think they're scared of? Well, no, it's not a bidder will bid you okay. up to that. Um, and in a lot of cases, we don't want to know actually your your finances. And there are yeah. people who tell us we only have 380 and then buy it yeah. for 430. And yeah. a lot of people say we have 380 and stop at 360. So sometimes the amount they have isn't reflective of the amount they want to spend on a particular property. So they, they can pull out from yes. that. But, um, I suppose... You can imagine, uh, and going back to your times yeah. when you would have been here working with um, with buyers or sellers, a seller will get um, a good representation of how comfortable we are with a deal, which makes them comfortable. And yeah. they can see that if we're not comfortable with a particular buyer for any particular reason, well, then they mightn't be comfortable with them either. And sometimes they may choose a different buyer because... Some might say that we've guided them that way and, and perhaps sometimes we do have to guide them that mm-hmm. way because we know that or, or our experience would tell us that maybe the other buyer won't make it at the other end. Okay, so 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 we're talking about how sales fall through mm-hmm. and here we're saying that maybe a sale has fallen, might fall through because an estate agent hasn't fully fleshed out a buyer, hasn't really, even though they may come in with a higher bid, mm. they may come in at a later stage, it's the agent's job to really eyeball that buyer yeah. and see, are you going to stick with this deal? Yeah. And sometimes you make the wrong call. And if you mm. make the wrong call, it, it, it means that that buyer is not the buyer you thought they were and they yeah. pull out. And mm. that means the property that was sale agreed is now mm. back on the market again yeah. for sale. Yeah. Okay, very interesting. Um, and that's the, that's sometimes the difference between a good agent or a bad agent or yeah. an experienced agent and an unexperienced agent. And there was a time, of course, before licensing came in that you could be a butcher yesterday and an auctioneer today. Yeah. So you'd be pitching the same pitch as somebody with 20 years' experience. And that person with 20 years' experience really comes good when times get tough. Anybody can do an easy deal. It's a tough deal. Yeah. And a lot of deals do get tough somewhere along oh the God, way. And to be able to to preempt a difficulty before the difficulty even arrives yeah. on the scene. Um, so let's say, what was the last sale you had that fell through and why? Can you think? Um, well, there you go, Brefney. This is where I get to sing my own praises. Mm. I, I like to think that sometimes a bit, I'm a bit too sticky when it comes down to that loan approval, to, right. to push that loan approval over the way. And I suppose rather than talking about deals come true, and maybe as I talk, I will remember the last one that, that fell. I'd, I'd look at what I've done of recent times that prevented deals, maybe that were getting Could a little bit out of control, pulling the back into control. Okay. In one instance in Fox Rock recently, we were between eight and ten weeks after sale agreed process and the valuers didn't ha- still hadn't arrived on the scene. Okay, because a valuer you would normally expect to be in within, say, five to ten days of going it, Very quickly. Yeah. Um, so obviously if we're that far down the line, there's difficulties. Um, 
we had what I would consider to be a volatile enough uh, vendor in that they right. were very nervous at the whole process. Yeah. Sometimes you could work with your vendor. You could say to your vendor, we have a difficulty here. Mm-hmm. I need you to I need you to give me this particular instruction to guide the vendor what they need to say to me before I can take that action. Mm-hmm. But in this instance, I didn't have that availability because right. had I told the vendor of my concerns, the plug would have been pulled way too early in the process, unnecessarily. I knew that the money would come. I knew both people had very good jobs, had an ability to fund it. We had sold for them previously, so we knew they were in rented accommodation. Everything stacked up where the value hadn't come out. So it was a a process of working with that over the remaining six weeks, Mm. because after two weeks, the alarm bells were beginning to sound. To get it, to have trust in the deal I did originally, to have trust in the people. Um, Of course... They're feeling a little bit put out by the pressure that's coming on them because they think that everything's rosy in the garden. Uh, And despite me telling them it's not, somebody along the way was telling them, no, this is normal when it wasn't normal. Um, But in the end, we worked with it. We got to a process where the the valuation came in. And hey, presto. Now... Somebody else mightn't have been able to do that and might yeah. have said, look... The vendor would have uh, just told yeah, the stop and, and said no. And, and the plug would have been pulled. Mm. And, you know, some could argue, well, maybe it was best the plug was pulled back then because mm. all the signs were there. The only thing yeah. y- you had telling you not to do it was instinct. Yeah, okay, I totally um, hear that, yeah. So sometimes you have to look at that. Um, I suppose I'm a stickler for that proof of funds, yeah. a, a real stickler for it. Again, everyone benefits from it. You come to me with your proof of funds if you want to bid. Mm-hmm. It means you're not bidding against somebody who hasn't come to me with no proof of funds. Yeah. So it, everyone yes. you're bidding, you're bidding on a level playing pitch. And yeah. I think that's very, very important because yeah. there's nothing worse than somebody in the deal who's pumping it up five grand here or ten grand there and they don't have an ability to follow it out. I completely agree, Brian. Yeah. And I think that's <clears> a really good point that if you're bidding on a property and you haven't been asked for proof of funds by the selling agent, it means very likely the other people haven't been asked for proof of funds, yeah. which means the money, the bids that are coming against you may a not fake. have yeah. proper... It's, it's not that the yeah. agent is making them up because no. they're not allowed to do that. Yeah. But it means that it, they could be people who think they've got this real loan approval who don't, yeah. who are bidding you up. So I think mm. it's really important as a bidder to ask the agent, have mm. you checked proof of funds be- with yeah. others because you haven't asked me for mine. That's a really good point, Brefney, because what happens sometimes is they arrive at the very end of the bidding process and mm. then they might come and look for proof of funds. Yeah. And then they cherry pick out the person who has the best proof of funds. Yeah. And if... If I were to see that from a buyer's point of view and, and, and to have the full transparency that the agent might have, I think I'd be very bitter. Yeah. And I'd look at that and say, well, hold on now. I have been made pay top dollar for this house against perhaps four other people who weren't even able to buy it in the first instance. Yeah. Now, somebody else might argue, well, that's your job. You're to push the person as much as they can go on behalf of the vendor. Yeah. But I think in a fair market, that's the that's the approach you've got to take, first of all. And secondly... Again, we're talking about deals falling through. Too many times I see that the agent at that stage then chooses the wrong buyer, yeah. misses out on a good opportunity with another buyer, mm-hmm. gets into bed, the deal doesn't work, mm-hmm. they're back to the original good buyer who's gone and bought something else, yeah. perhaps an easier process, and sometimes they're very happy to have bought something else. And now you're back in the market for your client. Your client is oblivious to the fact that they're, they're, the person working on their behalf made a boo-boo. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes they might end up getting 50 grand less than where they should have been first time around. Yeah, that's true. Another reason I have seen sales fall through is if the vendor who has nowhere to go, 
the vendor mm. is yeah. selling mm. and maybe they're an older couple mm. and they just aren't able to get somewhere that suits them. There seems to be quite a bit of that happening at the moment. Mm. Um, again, this is probably something that you shouldn't find out about last minute. Yeah. This is something that you probably should be able to identify quite early in the process. Yeah. So, And the um, agent should work with the vendor to identify what happens in the event that you don't. Yeah. Are you prepared to sell yeah. anyway? Yeah. You know we have a client services division, so we put them in touch at an early stage for them to work with them to try and find them something. And many other agencies have their version of it, whether it be buyer's agents yeah. like yourself, you yeah. put in touch with Brefney O'Kelly, he'll go off and do all that work in the background while I'm going selling. It takes pressure off me at the end. It means we all get a result at the end. So, again, it's to identify it early enough in the process, know how to tackle it early enough in the process and and to deal with it. However, it still is arriving. But it's not just about them not being able to find another property. Bear in mind that my home will tell us there's probably 4,000 properties for sale in Mm -hmm. Dublin today and Daft will tell us there's 25,000 for sale in the whole country. Mm -hmm. 52,000 transferred last year. So that's half half of what's all last year is for sale at the moment. Um, So we go back and we look at it and we say, well, we have all these people that want to pull the plug because they can't find anything. Again, that's to a certain extent because confidence in the market those people are confident that if they do pull the plug they will be able to achieve this price again or more right they're not feeling under pressure to keep going if the market was falling they Mm. mightn't be so quick to to make that decision because they might say well a we could we could sell and go out and rent Mm -hmm. or b we could lose a hundred thousand in this deal and it it might be another 10 years before we recoup that so regardless of what's going to happen let's just pull the trigger and sell this and worry about everything else after. And, and we do see that when the market is, is static or, or beginning to fall. Mm. Um, so, again, it's a good barometer of, uh, of a market for us in that mm-hmm. the, the signals that are out there in the public tell us that the market is strong enough to sustain people doing that. Um, another reason I've come across for uh, sales falling through is that a buyer thought they had funds. They had funds in an account in X country. Mm. And they come to... Or they had shares... Yeah. And that's fine. They're able to provide that proof of funds to an agent. Mm. But then at the end, when they come to bring that money in, mm. uh, I have found in one case when I was the agent working on behalf of the buyer, that when the buyer went to bring that money in, ah, it triggered a tax mm. uh, implication yeah. that they weren't aware of. Yeah. Um, and that was an issue. The money was bona fide there, yeah. but it was sitting in another country. The correct advice hadn't been sought or given mm. or maybe the incorrect advice had been given mm. and the buyer didn't realize that they yeah. thought they had a hundred percent of money but they yeah. had a hundred percent minus the cat tax i suppose um a great way to to round that off would be to um over use a story which over elaborates on yeah. it um and that story brings me back to june uh, 24th the year before last time uh, the morning after the Brexit vote. Yeah. So we all went to bed that night um, thinking that was in the bag. Yeah. Um, so it was probably easier than we thought. And great, well done. Yeah. And tomorrow we're back back to business. And yeah. we woke up the next morning to literally people crying on the streets of London. Right. And we had a number of deals being done at that moment in time to people returning home from the UK. Mm-hmm bringing their sterling back mm-hmm. home. And at that stage, sterling was really, really strong mm-hmm. against the euro. Mm-hmm. So they were able to buy a house almost one-fifth cheaper than I was able to buy it here mm-hmm. because the sterling mm-hmm. rate was so much in their mm-hmm. favour. Mm-hmm. 
But overnight, it, it almost came down to parity. So they lost a fifth of the purchase price mm. almost overnight. Mm. We sat down that morning and we went, how are we going to tackle this? Do we sit and wait for the people to call us mm-hmm. and talk about the elephant in the room? Mm-hmm. Or do we go looking for the elephant mm-hmm. in the room? And again, we had five or six deals in this branch alone, mm-hmm. which were being bought by people with, with mm. sterling. Mm. And we knew the sterling was coming. Mm. Um, in some instances, the deal fell through later that day. Yeah. And in some instances, we were lucky. We had people laughing on the phone saying, we drew down our sterling in March. Right. So they had their sterling already it, it, it turned over into, into euro and they were in business. That's a very good way to describe exactly your question there yeah. a moment ago. These yeah. people um, come to us. I had, a, I had a situation recently where people were purchasing property from me and uh, the father had the money in Russia. So the father worked in Russia. Everything was kosher. We got to see the money. Everything looked perfect mm-hmm. on paper. Obviously, there was concerns from my clients when they heard Russia was there something wrong with Russia and whatever, but there was no problem. Until we got, uh, we asked in, in, in with the proof of funds uh, a letter from uh, the, the person who was controlling the funds mm-hmm. to give a letter to the client who was the purchaser's father mm-hmm. to say how much tax-wise this was going to cost them to not only transfer the money from Russia to Ireland, mm-hmm. so whatever the, the currency is mm-hmm. there to whatever the currency is here, but also to give a breakdown of what the tax implications were for that money then being given to his daughter. Mm-hmm. And when he saw how much that was, it was shock. It was absolutely shock. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, the daughter was there. But Dad, I thought, mm-hmm. and the father still wanted to perform for the daughter. Yeah. But now it was going to cost them hundreds of thousands that nobody had thought about. Exactly what you mentioned a minute ago. Mm. And again, it's up to the agent to be able to identify this early enough in yeah. the process where these mm-hmm. funds are coming from. I had a girl mm-hmm. bid me yesterday, which goes a little bit off topic, but, but still stays on topic. Bid me yesterday, cash buyer. Bid me the asking price. Fair enough. Mm-hmm. Not a bad offer. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. the only thing is I'm only for sale about two weeks. So mm-hmm. trying to get a client yeah. to take that offer yeah. so early in the process yeah. can be difficult. Um, cash. I said, well, if you're cash, mm-hmm. I need to see that you cash. So I just need a letter from your bank, mm-hmm. not to say how much cash you have, mm-hmm. but to say that if you purchase the property at this price, you don't need to draw down a mortgage. Mm-hmm. That's all I want in the letter. Mm-hmm. If you purchase the property at this price, you don't mm-hmm. need to draw down a mortgage. Mm-hmm. Her broker rings me this morning. There's no problem with finance there. I said, well... Her broker? Her broker. Mm. Now, why do you need a broker yeah. if you're cash? Yeah. Very good question, but... Um, and I said, but... Who are why, you and why yeah, are you talking yeah, to me? Why do I need yeah. to talk to you? What's, what's your involvement? She mm. said, well, this girl has 50% cash reserve sitting there ready to go, so there's no problem. Mm. And then her dad will either come forward with the money or we can draw down a mortgage. Mm. We can decide that once we go sale agreed. Mm. Now, of course, that goes back to a mm. couple of conversations mm. ago. No point in doing it after we sale agreed. We find out that she bought a little moped and she, did, she missed two of the installments and as a little black dot mm-hmm. against her credit rating and she can't get a mortgage even though she's 50% of the purchase price mm-hmm. or she's self-employed of course mm-hmm. so from a self-employed point of view how does the company perform so mm-hmm. we're getting into all mm-hmm. a lot more difficulty again when you're self-employed mm-hmm. trying to get a mortgage mm-hmm. regardless of how much the purchase price you have mm-hmm. so in actual fact that that guy opened a can of worms this morning. Mm-hmm. He thought he was doing her a favour. Yeah. He's not. Of course, I've explained the situation to him. He knows the situation. He knows it as well as I do. But, of course, he's given me the whole, oh, God, I, I, I don't understand how that is mm-hmm. this morning. So that girl mm-hmm. now has ha, n- n- will need to come up with additional resources to yeah. show to me that 
she has an ability to do this. As it happens, my client is very savvy in terms of buying and selling property. Good. So he he'd look at that and he'd say, "Not a hope. Not a hope. Not a hope the way it is. Yeah. I need it tighter." Yeah, you and need that's the fair dad's enough. proof of funds in that case because he's basically fifty percent. Yeah, of her. and again, that dad needs to know that if he hands that money to daughter now, mm-hmm. that there's going to be an inheritance tax mm-hmm. obligation. So yeah. they need to sort that yeah. out too. Yeah. yeah, because people are very good at doing these uh, housekeeping arrangements in their head about how it's all fine, mm. but you actually need to have it more advanced than that. You have to yeah. have it more tight. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's in everyone's benefit. They don't want to spend the next eight or ten weeks going down the process of a sale when when they they can't buy it at the end. They're frustrated at the end. They walk yeah. away. They think they, they can. They, they don't nothing. know what they don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. So, again... They have time on their side now. My client isn't going to take that offer, not because it's not a good offer, yeah. because he feels it's too early in the process yeah. and that if, if it, this come in in two weeks, imagine what will come in in six weeks. Yeah, I have to obviously deal with yeah. those expectations yeah. and, and there's a lot of that happening at the moment. Yeah. Again, a sign of a good market. Yeah. But perhaps this girl now can use that four or six weeks to get her few bits and pieces. If she's going to get a mortgage, get them. Yeah, Even if she doesn't it. draw it down. Yeah get it yeah so i have the piece of paperwork that i can give to my client to say yeah. this girl has an ability to get a mortgage again we can't see how much the mortgage is for her, yeah but we can say that the mortgage is there and we have to assume now that if she's coming to the process that she has the mortgage for the rest and that's the way it works right so brian that is fantastic and um, thank you so much for uh, before we finish up can yes. i bring one thing that Please. i oh, find yeah. a yeah. lot of people forget about yeah. and it's probably Again, a huge thing. Sometimes yeah. it comes up all the time and sometimes it never raises its head. Mm-hmm. And that's the land registry map. So yes. the laws changed a couple mm-hmm. of years ago and maybe in your last podcast you covered this a little. Mm, a bit, but yeah. I can't yeah. emphasize enough. If you're putting your house for sale in the morning, yeah. go get your land registry map. Mm-hmm. Get it now. Because if the land registry map doesn't tally with the deed map, you're in trouble. Mm-hmm. You could be in two or three years of trouble or you might be able to sort it fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. But find out about that now, not when you have a buyer on the hook, because by the time you do sort it out, when you have a buyer on the hook, the buyer won't be there anymore. Mm. So experience would tell me, particularly in some of the older areas, that there's problems there. Go get it sorted. If there's an additional bit of land that's been handed back from the council or near a wood or near a stream or where somebody sorted out boundaries at the back and gave a little bit, Mm. go get that map now and get those issues sorted. It's no harm mm. being done, but it's boxed off. And from a buyer's point of view... If, right. I can, if I can give some tips to buyers. Please. Has the land registry map been got? Yes. And let them identify it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe get their surveyor that they're going to use to do a quick cursory look at the property online to see if he can identify any issues that questions could be raised quite early in the process. That's amazing. You should say that, Brian. That's exactly what Michael Crowley said yeah. in the last podcast. Yeah, it's very yeah. important. When mm-hmm. you're getting your survey done, we all mm-hmm. get these cursory looks. A surveyor comes into a house. You've been there yourself, Brefney. They're mm-hmm. in the house an hour, an hour and a half. I I, I, I I don't um, disrespect them in any way. They Some of them are very, very thorough. Mm. But get people to look at what they can't look at. Mm. Get your drain survey done. If your house probably has clay pipes, okay. I and can't recommend it enough. Survey. Get, mm-hmm. a, get a drain survey. It's going to cost you two or 250 euro. But if there's tree roots growing up through those clay mm-hmm. drains or those tra- clay grain drains have collapsed, you're going to have a subsidence issue on your hands. Mm-hmm. Maybe not now, but in the future. Okay. Get it done. Uh, get it if if there's something needs fixing. Get mm-hmm. a price as to how much it's going to get fixed, mm-hmm. and allow for that then in your budgeting when you're going forward. Okay. Uh, 
They'd probably be my two best. Okay, tips. they're great tips, yeah, and mm. especially the drains. Now that's one yep. we haven't come across. Mm. Brilliant, Brian. Thank you so much. I hope maybe you'll talk to us again about uh, more upbeat topics yeah. rather than sales falling through. Yeah, it is. Um, it, 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 they are tough topics, but they. But it's a good one. To you talk know, about. it's it's the side of my business where you you need a good agent mm-hmm. to yes, identify agreed. the sale before it happens what mm-hmm. might make it fall through yeah. to identify the purchaser before it happens to identify if they can make it out the other end yeah. and then to identify any issues before they become bigger issues to fix them sometimes that's done even before the property comes for sale yeah. sometimes it's done after mm-hmm. once that's out of the way all these stresses that people hear about selling houses are gone with it too mm-hmm. the only other stresses are the usual ups and downs of getting your house ready for viewings and everything else in between yeah. it's quite a fun process it's it a really exciting process yeah, it is. and everyone comes out the end with some a smile yeah everyone smiles at the end so it's great yeah brilliant thanks a little brian thank you Refni, and good to have you back under the fold again did you enjoy this podcast if so we'd love you to subscribe to it and tell your friends family and colleagues in the meanwhile If you think you'd benefit from some professional help with your next property transaction, then head over to brefneokelly.ie to see which of our three property services might be best for you. Thanks for listening.